listening to Female VC Lab, a podcast that showcases the journeys of female investors. My name is Barbara Bickham, and I am an award-winning CTO and VC that teaches companies and investors about emerging technology. I am sitting down with female VCs and investors to talk about their funds, how they invest, and how they make an impact. Welcome to the Female VC Lab podcast. I'm here with many, many in one line. Give me your name, your title, and the name of your fund. Yeah. Hi, Barbara. I'm Minnie Ingersoll. I am a partner at 10110. Thank you so much. So what inspired you to become a VC or, or an investor? Yeah, I I don't know that I was all that inspired to become one. I just all of a sudden noticed I was becoming one. Um, I I had been a female founder right before becoming a VC. And I found I took a step back from my company when we we brought in a new CEO and I was having a third child. And I was still spending all my time with the female founders groups, which I Mm -hmm. loved. And I was doing more angel investing, which I loved. And a lot of my friends, I had been very early in the tech world. I'd been very early at Google and a lot of my friends had become entrepreneurs and my friends had become angel investors. And that was just what I was doing. And then meanwhile, I moved to LA and I was looking for a job. Yeah. So I was looking for a job and hanging out with all people who were starting companies. And it's just it's what I get energy from is being around founders. And so I was hanging around with founders looking for a job and one thing led to another. I became a VC really. Wow. That's awesome. The accidental VC. Yeah. I think it happens like that. Some people just fall into it. It's a hard job to get. So it's hard to say ahead of time, starting your career, this is what I'm going to do. So um, probably better if it can be a little accidental because it's hard to force your way in. Very true. So tell me what your investment thesis is and what is the motivation behind your uh, investment thesis over there at 10110? Yeah. I hope it's not too disappointing if I say that I don't really have a thesis. And well, maybe that's okay. If, <laughs> maybe if you were an LP, I might like come up with more theses or something. But the truth is, first and foremost, everyone says we invest in people. But that's, I love people. I like to invest in people. Honestly, that is what I enjoy doing. And it's similar to what I've been doing my whole career, which is mostly I would say that I was a recruiter. Technically, I think my title was product manager. And then I was the founder of my company and I was the COO. But really what I was doing was hiring people. And I think that probably the way that I approach VC has a lot of the same feel, which is it, it has some differences, but it feels like I'm interviewing people to hire them to maybe me be on their team in this case, as opposed to them joining my team. But what I'm looking for there is people who I find very authentically explaining to me the vision that they have and clear communicators and people who don't feel like they just were told to make a slide that has the Tam and the Sam and the Tom, and they're just following the formula because they studied entrepreneurship 
and they feel like they're trying to reverse engineer what they think the VC wants to hear. I actually want someone who shows up and like has a passion, has some insight and is good at communicating that paired with, and they can execute on that vision and that insight that they have. So sometimes not, it's not even one person. It might be a team of people and someone's deep in an industry understands what's going on paired with someone else who maybe has a technical background and can build the thing necessary to realize that vision. And, and just getting to the heart who these people are is a big part of what I'm doing. That's great. That's wonderful. So what are you currently learning or listening to or reading these days? Mostly for the past two years, I've just been learning how to be a VC. <laughs> um, hey, that's a, that's a lesson and a half in and of itself. It is. And it, it's different. There's a lot than, to it. Yeah. It's different than being an angel investor. There's a lot more responsibility because we tend to lead seed rounds at 10110, which means taking responsibility for working with the company on whatever their needs might be and being responsive and being there and following up and replying to all the emails that come in. So when I moved to LA, I started a podcast where I interview all the LA VCs and mostly- awesome. Uh, oh, it's great. And podcasting is great. Yes. As it is. And you have to listen really hard in order to host a podcast, I think. And so I interview all these VCs and mostly ask them, half of what I ask them is just whatever's on my mind that I find challenging right now. So what is going on in the market today has been a, a topic right now, which is, do you invest in these 30 million post money deals that pre products. Or, or, That's a good question. And some people are, obviously. It's clearly, sort of, clearly it's a little counterintuitive still, but still people are doing it. Right. And and half the people think it's it's crazy and shouldn't be done and we're sticking to our knitting. And half the people say those are going to be my biggest regrets is I didn't invest in this known founder who I knew before and knew was a superstar and I should invest because. It's cheap at 30 million if their next round is going to be at 200 million. 150 million. So yeah, I, and then I have to research all my guests because half of what I ask them is what I'm interested in. And the other half is what I think they're good at talking about. And I'm doing a lot of learning who else is in the LA VC ecosystem and what unique. A lot of, a lot yeah. of folks. A and lot with of people. And I'm sure in you all know this. Fa- all phases too. Yeah. All stages. A lot of middle market here though, really. Yeah, but and early amazing angel investors and yes, there's a lot of great angel groups, a lot of great angel investors starting to get set up some of these other funds, seed, mm-hmm. you know, more diverse emerging manager funds as well here in LA. So it's quite the ecosystem is coming. Yeah, and and you know, I when people ask me like what sort of startup to join or what's great, like it's always great to join a place that's booming and LA feels like it's booming right now. Tons of great momentum. LA is always booming. It's interesting. LA is always on the cutting edge of certain things and people don't recognize that because we're, they're just here to execute as everyone thinks, Oh, LA, Hollywood, right? That they think that's all that's there, but there's a massive, massive amount of technology here. Massive. Mm -hmm. And interesting fields. And to go back to theses, like we do a lot in logistics, a lot in manufacturing and a lot of techie stuff. And you just, you forget that LA has got the largest port in the United States. It's got yeah, a ton of logistics, port. manufacturing, huge manufacturing. Yeah, I think, man, you know, yes, it's still down there in downtown. They still have a lot of manufacturing downtown LA. Yeah. So fun to be doing what we're doing here. Wonderful. So here's the bonus question. Everyone gets it. 
And by now, maybe everyone knows what it is. In two years, how do you see venture capital or investing evolving or changing? I think it's probably what we just were talking about, which is, I think you you mentioned the diversity. I think that's going to be mm-hmm. diversity of founders and investors. And mm-hmm. this, this trend towards micro funds and different ways of funding your business, whether that's crowdfunding or raising from non-traditional Sand Hill Road VCs, that just, it used to be that you had to march up and down Sand Hill Road and go to Monday partner meetings. And I right. think that's changing. And I think people are also all becoming entrepreneurs, even if it's not venture-backed entrepreneurs. I think there's so much interesting side hustle turned so turned businesses, podcasts, whatever it is that that people are stepping out of the defined, I'm going to go be a career XYZ. And that's exciting. I'm glad you brought that up. I saw something on Twitter the other day. They were asking about what some, an angel investor was saying, hey, Shall I invest in this no-code, low-code product? Product? Will they have to toss it and rewrite it? And I said, not if they designed it on the back properly. Mm. Like, whatever it's skinned on the front doesn't matter. So if you think of the advent of that, the advent of, I also saw a tool to basically generate AI code. That was one of my predictions in life. Mm-hmm. I said that about five years ago now, and everyone had a meltdown. So I knew that was right. Uh, mm-hmm. But here it is. Code can be generated automatically. If you start thinking about all this automation that's coming and, and in process, that's going to evolve many things. And then what are you really investing in? As an as a VC or an investor, you have to really start looking, what's the uniqueness of these products outside of the people? And then, like you said, even the advent of side hustles. You, crowd, you may have crowd rounded something, and that's what I'll call it a crowd round. And then how does that now evolve into something bigger potentially? Mm-hmm. Or is this just like almost a bridge to something bigger? Mm-hmm. So like, how are we starting to look at some of these other mechanics, which is what I'll call funding mechanics, in order to get companies from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's and the businesses look different than they used, it used to be mm-hmm. much more of a formula. And now, now it's varied and all over the place. And I, I think that's exciting for all of us. And I think LA's playing a big role in that because a lot of it also is it's the storytelling aspect. It's stuff that 100% and it's, and that's part of what I, when I said I invest in founders, I'm looking for that story. And I think a lot of people understand that better. And it's not just the technology and what does the product do? It's what's the, and that's the, the Twitter question was interesting because if they have an MVP or and that's what I'll call it, I'll call it the, I call it kind of the poor man's MVP. What did they, what did you get out of that? You got product market fit potentially. Maybe you fig- figured out your business and revenue model. Maybe you figured out a lot of things at very low cost, at very low to become a, a founder. Now the barrier to entry is not zero, but it's approaching zero. Mm-hmm. It's very low now. So now it becomes, what is your real intellectual property? What's your real uniqueness? What's your real, outside of your passion, clearly passion and people are important 100% or else you won't be getting up doing that every day. But what is your real uniqueness outside of that? Important to know. Yeah, I tend to invest in people who are coming. I, I tend to look at automation and efficiency in legacy businesses. So I am often investing in people who come out of a business come out of an industry where they've seen that automated consumer debt collection is broken, call centers are, right. you know, yeah, well. often not great places, and but they see it from within. So I think people are sort of sprouting up from all sorts of 
more staid places and saying this can be done better. And if you think about all systems, the things that we look in blockchain and AI, IoT, AR, these are all systems. Blockchain is look at decentralized finance, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. new way to bank, a new way to lend, a new the whole thing is a new way mm-hmm. to create money. Look at the NFT stuff, new way to digitize assets. If you think about it, that wasn't this wasn't around two years, maybe three years. DeFi in its format now. So it's also getting faster. Like the velocity of creation is faster as well. So outside of it being more cost effective, it's faster. So as an investor, you kind of got to be up on all these things or else you really may miss out. You may miss out on the one that actually had the revenues and figured it out quicker than the guy where, yeah, he had the $30 million round, but he still got no revenue. So I think at that point, you're going to be competing at that level as well. I think I will as well. That's yeah. since I'm a funder too. But <laughs> I think we'll be competing at those levels. Oh, can we get in on this one? Because this one's already making revenues. This one's kind of not. So I think there's going to start being that competition as well amongst uh, founders. Yeah, and if, I, and if I miss out on this one, there'll be a whole new wave of the next thing that comes up in six months. So, uh, so that's true as well. Not going to be bored. No, it's not. It's absolutely not boring. 100% not boring. No. All right. So how do people contact you? Probably the best is uh, is email mini at 10110.net. Occasionally I need to be contacted twice there. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think people who are persistent often, it pays off. But I try to be most responsive on email. All right. Thank you so much to Minnie Ingersoll from 10110 for being our guest on the Female VC Lab podcast. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Trail and Ventures. Find and invest in the next billion dollar emerging tech company. Sign up for our exclusive content at https colon slash slash trailin T-R-A-I-L-Y-N dot com to find out more. Find us on Apple on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening.